0: Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. And I'm super stoked to welcome back on the program, Cruzie McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to see you again this week. How are you doing? Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. We're bringing uh, this interview, uh, well, this chat on the Facebook page, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And I'm just about to tag you as well on Facebook, Cruz on RTHK Radio 3. So. That's kind of
1: no, you're, so, like,
0: you're looking, by the way, radiant. I, I feel like I've seen, I've seen you wearing that before because I was just on your Facebook and it was, it's a beautiful, yeah, radiant. Yeah.
1: I dress up for my weekly Zoom meeting with you at the moment. Don't <laughs> expect this to continue once I'm allowed back in studio, okay? This I'm is the highlight. Just, just kind of a bit of magic to our conversations. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: this is the highlight. So what have you got for our listeners uh, this um, afternoon?
1: Today, we're, we're talking about braille
0: very good
1: okay, so we're talking about braille um and of course um as you know i'm very interested in um the ways the different ways that people with disabilities communicate um you and i both learn hong kong sign language you know there's lots of different languages and ways of communicating <laughs> noreen's signing at the moment um and so signing signing um and it's um it, it, I find it fascinating and amazing, and also a right for every human being to be communicated with and find ways to express themselves and to communicate. It's it's very important, um, and so I was really interested in Braille um, because I I've never I've never I've never known any visually impaired people who use it. But I was I was wondering. But we have it everywhere, actually. We have it in a lot of places, um, and even in Hong Kong, which we could say is probably skimping on the accessibility ramps and access points and translations and everything else. I said we do actually have quite a lot of Braille out in our community, in our physical, in our physical environments. That's an important thing to say. And you'll find it maybe on on elevator buttons or on signposts, rails, um, on rails. Absolutely. In, in Hong Kong, we're pretty good with tactile maps. So you might find that like uh, sort of maps of in certain areas and things like that of a park will be raised. It will be tactile so that somebody can, I mean, not technically Braille, but tactile um, communication systems.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's something to be considerate of at the moment in the age of COVID-19. People who rely on touch for communication are really struggling. Um, in the same way that people rely on lip reading for communication or struggling because of mask wearing and and the fact that some people touches their biggest sensory input um, and that, that the fact that we're not supposed to touch each other or touch anything around us is causing some real problems so I just wanted to take a moment to kind of appreciate that that you know the struggle is is very different and very real for a lot of people and I wanted to talk a little bit about braille and and how that has opened up opportunities for people who are visually impaired to to learn and communicate and write and all those other things so that's why in a nutshell in a long large nut it's a large nut but in a large nutshell that's why I wanted to chat a little bit about braille today so
0: it's a terrific Braille. topic. Uh, now, I want our listeners to join us on Facebook as well. If you have any comments, feel free to, to drop us a, a note there. Exactly.
1: Um, and so um, so when we talk about uh, Braille, Braille is, is the world's most popular tactile reading and writing system. So it's used everywhere. Now, unlike, for example, sign language, it is not a language. It's actually a code. It's a code that can be used to write in a whole variety of languages. So it's, it's a code system, essentially. Um, and when we talk about Braille, you may have heard of its creator, who was Louis Braille. So Louis Braille, who was born um, in 1809 um, and he was from a very small town in France and he lived with his parents, with his brothers and sisters and everything else. And um, his father, it's a bit of a sad story. So his father was a saddler he used to make. There's actually a, probably a better, There's little be a better word for that than the one I'm using, than saddler. But he used to make horse saddles. And Louis used to spend a lot of time playing in his father's workshop with his tools. And when he was three years old, he was mucking about playing with some tools and a tool slipped and hit him in the eye Um, and of course unfortunately there wasn't any treatments in those days to uh, help him with that situation the wound became infected it spread to his other eye and by the time he was five years old he was completely blind in both eyes Um, and um, but it's fascinating because he's obviously he's a very imaginative visionary human being or he was rather he's is not with us, he died in 1852, but um, he, he was in a magic Exactly, and he was very creative. Um, and he, um, in 1821, he learned about a communication system that was actually devised by Captain Charles Barbier of the French Army. And Barbier had created this invention called night writing, which was a code of dots and dashes in thick paper and these impressions could be interpreted with the touch of a finger, and this would help soldiers communicate on the battlefield without having to speak or use light. So, I mean, it's one of those really depressing facts where a lot of our innovations come from times of war, you know, and unfortunately, this is another one of them, that this is where it came from. Now, his system was actually a little bit complicated, uh, Captain Barbier's system, but Braille, uh, Louis Braille, was inspired to come up with a system of his own. And by the time he was 15 years old, he'd trimmed this whole night writing system from the French army into 12 dots, um, and from 12 dots into six and had found 63 ways to use a six dot cell in an area no larger than a fingertip. So if we think about how braille is actually written, um, it's, you kind of are thinking about, it's not like a a die, but it's like six, it is, it's six dots in kind of a rectangle shape. And that's your grid. And that's what we basically do for for each letter and how dots are arranged within that grid will give us the letters of the alphabet or in different um, alphabets as well. But interestingly, of course, um, what a big challenge then becomes is the space that Braille takes up. Because if you think about a fingerprint being one letter um, versus one tiny printed letter in a page, it obviously takes up a lot more space. So. Um, one thing they do is they have a lot of different kinds of like uh, letter contractions. So they have different things that will kind of be two letters or three letters together, or even sort of short form words, like it, he, she, that kind of thing. So they kind of do those sorts of things as well. So there's kind of like shortcuts, otherwise it's just huge, huge volumes. And I did find a fact that said um, Harry Potter and the, um, one of the Harry, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is 10 volumes in Braille. And the New American Bible is 45 volumes in Braille. And Webster's Unabridged Dictionary is 72 volumes. So that's what we, we see this, this thing of, you know, it takes a lot of space. Braille takes a lot of space. So that's one challenge. But I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the amazing innovations that have happened around how people have addressed that with Braille. So some other facts about Braille, we know that, um, so Louis Braille was the creator of the system. He published his own system of Braille in 1829 and added symbols for music and for maths. So he was really, really visionary in what he was trying to think about as well. Um, And unfortunately, people weren't like anything when it comes to disability, people weren't, uh, you know, didn't really think that people who were visually impaired had a right to learn or to read or to be educated. So it took a little bit of time. The public were very skeptical and basically blind students had to study Braille on their own, Um, but at the same time, Um, It it took a long time for people to adopt it, even at the Royal Institution where Louis Braille taught. He he was an educator and a teacher. Braille was still not on the curriculum when he was teaching there. You know, this is what he's he's created. He is a teacher. No one will let him teach it. At the age of 40, he moved home to France because he had a persistent respiratory illness. It's a little bit close to the bone now. And in um, 1852, he died just a few days after his 43rd birthday with them still not teaching the language, sorry, teaching the the writing system code that he he created. But today it is, you know, through what's really remarkable is that just a few short years after his death, there was an overwhelming um, response from blind pupils who said, we want to do this. We want to learn this language. And it was because of them, it was because of the students advocating for themselves that it became something that was finally taught and accepted. And that, and it obviously has, you know, amounted to incredible things because of, you know, we don't even need to go into all the incredible human beings that we know on our planet who are visually impaired. That's just be like, that would be like 72 volumes of a dictionary. we <laughs> would be, we'd be here for a long time. Um, So as I said, it started out as this military code. Um, Some other interesting facts about Braille. Um, There's an asteroid named Braille, which I think is very fitting. In 1999, NASA's Deep Space One probe flew past an asteroid on its way to photograph the Borelli comet, and it named the asteroid 9969 Braille in honor of Louis Braille. So that's, I think, a remarkable remarkable thing. Um, As I mentioned, it takes up a lot more space than the traditional alphabet. Um, And as I also said, it's reminding everyone it's not a language, it's a tactile alphabet that can be used to write almost any language. And there are Braille versions of Chinese, Spanish, Arabic, Hebrew, all these languages that are also very complicated, have had these different ways of of using Braille as well. There's also this thing called the Braille Challenge, so every year there's an annual competition for students who are blind, which is sponsored by the Los Angeles based Braille Institute. This is where 1400 students from the US and Canada test their Braille skills in categories like reading comprehension proofreading and spelling and winners uh, go away with, you know, huge cash prizes kind of like a Braille spelling bee, if you will, you know, so that (laughs) that kind of thing, which is quite cool. There's also, as I mentioned, a special version, there's there's braille for mathematics. There's a special version of braille uh, called the Nemeth Code that was invented by a Dr. Abraham Nemeth, and it can be used to transcribe math, algebra, and calculus. So if you were doing those things and already an inherent genius, but then also want to add the extra genius of being a textile reader, you know, that's apparently a thing that happens. Um, And uh, yeah, so of course, the interesting thing is that um, you know, we think about that this might seem slow, it might seem slow braille, but actually um, some braille readers can just, their fingers can
0: fly through that braille. Oh, you took that effect. I was gonna say that one. (laughs) Oh, well, you you can (laughs) if you like. No, no, you go for it. (laughs) No problem.
1: <laughs> it's funny because I've always, um, my um, my husband and my sister always make fun of me because I'm a bit of a speed reader. I always have been. So if someone's, it's actually quite embarrassing because if someone pulls up their messages on their phone or something, and are... of course I read it and I'm like, I didn't mean to read that. I'm just very, very quick at reading. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, people have to be a lot more safe with their private things around me because one glance and I've already seen what something is. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how some uh, Braille readers can be really, really fast. So while a sighted person can usually read um, 300 words per minute, some um, some really fast Braille readers can whip through a book at a speed of 400 words per minute. So that's, that's
0: remarkable, that's really, that's really,
1: really fast. fast. Yeah, absolutely. And they say that the key to reading Braille so quickly is a very light touch and is using both hands. So one hand reads while the mm-hmm. other hand is poised to start on the next line so it's that incredible use of left right brain yeah. to to keep reading it you know almost like almost like i don't know i've had friends in the past who can look at one page of a book and read the whole page in like an image have you ever had friends like that
0: yeah because they read down the middle or something like that they're able to Amazing.
1: Yeah, um, apparently, and um, so I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the, the different kind of innovations and things that have been happening around Braille as well, quickly. So as mentioned, it takes up a huge amount of space. Right. But um, there's been some incredible and I'm really it was one of those things that's like heartening to see that money and time and expertise has been put into this sort of development of technology. So there are Braille e-readers. So, you know, basically almost like imagine like kind of like a, a, a light a soft membrane, plastic membrane where little the dots appear on the page like you would with an e-reader so that you can be reading this tactile thing. There are there are braille mobile phones that offer haptic feedback that do the same thing. So you can be reading a text message on your phone because of course, conventionally for uh, some people who are visually impaired everything would have to be voice activated I mean everything would have to be read aloud which is fantastic and is wonderful that that technology exists as well but also I'm sure there's some privacy that you'd like to have for yourself you don't want everyone in in the room to know what's on your text message or what direction you're going or how far the coffee shop is and so there's all this incredible technology and I really recommend having a google of it later like braille mobile phones and braille e-readers and those kind of personal computers where you're able to type in braille as well and that can be translated into into written uh, written language for other people as well so it's like it's incredible all the kinds of innovations that are happening around it even in terms of like artwork so a lot of people create artworks in braille so they'll take like a, a famous painting and they'll push through it with um you know with kind of like braille like bumps so that somebody can sort of feel that painting and they do that a lot with artwork there's even been braille tattoos (laughs) so this is when um so like somebody is you know uh, they basically get kind of um, little surgical beads inserted under the skin to create those raised bumps of the different letters of braille which sounds awful, but, you know, up, up to you, <laughs> like, sounds very painful. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's it's quite incredible in that way. And people are creating a lot of different um, ver- Braille versions of things that we've always known and loved, like like card games, like playing card games as a family. They have Braille versions of Uno and Monopoly. They have oh, Braille Lego. That's my um, favorite. So, I
0: mean, so all children can be inclusive and, and they can play, really. Absolutely. Oh.
1: absolutely. and And it's of course, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we only have so much time and energy and it'd be very difficult for us to learn all of the languages we may need to communicate with everyone around the world, whether they're spoken or written or sign. Um, but of course, the technology is existing now so much that we can communicate with people, even if neither of us speak the other one's language. We already know that. We have Google Translate and things like that. And it's amazing that that's the technology that's also happening with Braille, that it's becoming something that we can, that it, things can be translated into and out of Braille, That um, that people who are blind or have significant vision loss can really achieve literacy and contribute and communicate and all of and create and write poems and stories and all those wonderful things that everyone should have the opportunity to do so i'm quite passionate about this as you can see <laughs> i think i'd be terrible at reading braille i would love to try it but i think i'd be terrible at it i think you know like a light you rely... touch, a,
0: a light touch is the key yeah a light really, touch. i so... think i'm too
1: heavy-handed <laughs> you know? Uh, this is Yeah, a hands calloused theory. by, you know, months of disinfection or whatever. Um, but yeah, but I think it, it's a remarkable thing. And I think we should really be quite, um we should be thinking about it a lot here in Hong Kong. And it's important to think about people who aren't able to be using it right now in the same way we'd want to. I mean, if you think about, All of us, I mean, I do about 17 times a day press an elevator button with my elbow or open a door with my elbow or, you know, all those sorts of things for someone who relies on that sensory input, that tactile sensory input as their way of navigating the world this time of COVID has been very, very difficult. And I think it's important for us to recognize that and also to not judge. So if you don't know if someone is visually impaired, you don't know if that's the reason they're touching all of the elevator buttons or they're, they're putting their hand all the way down the, the banister, like you, they're looking for that tactile input and those little little pieces of braille that help them navigate the world. And I think we're all gonna have a bit of a, a more of an appreciation for it now, I think. Um, and and I've, I've really enjoyed looking around Hong Kong in the last couple of the days since I was thinking of talking about braille and trying to find those little bits of braille in our environments um, because it's, it's exciting. It's it exciting is. to know that, you know,
0: on the MTR, we we see that a lot on on the handrails and also guiding you towards exit, teamed with the music as well. I don't know if you often hear the background jingle yeah. on the MTR, but it sort of guides you to those uh, braille uh, handrails uh, to 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 get you to those uh, m- exits. Have you got a braille yeah, so quote? I hope you.
1: I have. I have. I have four braille quotes actually. I have four braille quotes. Um, the first one. Um, I have three from Louis Braille because it kind of made sense. Um, so the first one is he said. Um. Access to communication in the widest sense is access to knowledge, and that is vitally important for us if we are to not if we are not to go on being despised or patronised by condescending sighted people. We do not need pity, nor do we need to be reminded that we are vulnerable. We must be treated as equals and communication is the way we can bring this about. I thought it was very, it was very powerful. powerful. Um, he also said Braille is knowledge and knowledge is power which I also really liked. And he also said, live without seeing, but be what you are. I thought it was a nice little rally for people who, and this one I really liked, I thought it was a little bit, it was sweet. It was from a novel by Armistead Morpin, who said, like I've always said, love wouldn't be blind if the Braille weren't so damn much fun.
0: (laughs) Terrific. Fun quote to to end on. Well, thank you very much for your sharing uh, today, Cruz. As usual, I learned so much from you. For our listeners, do revisit uh, this audio column on Facebook on Cruz on Radio 3. And thank you very much indeed for your sharing this week. And I look forward to chatting Uh, with you again next week. week. Thank you so much. Bye, (laughs) Cruz.